This episode is sponsored by NordVPN, The Take's favorite way to stay safe online. Go to nordvpn.com slash the take to take control of your internet experience. Do you know why a shark keeps moving? They gotta keep moving or they'll die. They can't breathe or something. What do most antiheroes have in common? Beyond all the questionable deeds and egos, there's one striking theme they share. They refuse to look back and engage with the past, insisting on looking only ahead to the future. I have a life. And it only goes in one direction, forward. But this always backfires. As they avoid dealing with the messy and painful parts of their traumatic childhoods, they find themselves controlled by this emotional baggage. They repeat the same mistakes in their lives and commit monstrous acts. And they pass their emotional trauma on to future generations. So they're cautionary tales proving the adage, those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. The individual craves almost ceaseless action, which enables them to avoid acknowledging the abhorrent things they do. Here's our take on why the anti-hero tale proves how important it is to honestly acknowledge and process the past so it doesn't come back to bite you. You look at the old pictures and they all want you to think it's all so f***ing simple, but it wasn't what they say, you know? If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get notified about all our new videos. Did it ever occur to you that I might be the one who deserves your confidence and your trust, not your sons, that she might have the most to contribute to your legacy, that you love so much more than your actual children? Through no fault of their own, many iconic antiheroes didn't get the unconditional love and supportive relationships they needed as children, leading them to develop feelings of shame and self-loathing. Nobody loves Dick Whitman. You're a piece of garbage, a real shitty piece of garbage. Mad Men's Don Draper, aka Dick Whitman, was born to a prostitute who died in childbirth and raised by his abusive father. My father beat the hell out of me. All it did was make me fantasize about the day I could murder him. And his father's wife, who deeply resented him, before moving into a brothel that led to confusing early sexual experiences. Bojack Horseman's mother, Beatrice, is a cruel, harsh influence, and we see how she birthed his tendency to equate the attention that comes from performing with love. Now you want your mommy to love you. You go out there and you do the only thing you're good for, which is singing the goddamn lollipop song. The little we can piece together of Succession's Logan Roy's child is that he last saw his mother Helen when he was a five-year-old boy. He was mostly raised by an uncle who beat him, and he blames himself for whatever happened to his sister Rose. All those years blaming yourself for Rose? I'm not interested. That really wasn't your fault. In The Sopranos, Tony's childhood memories are riddled with violence due to his father's mob ties, and they're tainted by his mother's untreated mental health issues. I say what your mother has, at the very least, is what we call borderline personality disorder. But the real problem for all these characters is that they try to avoid all their feelings about these dark events by not dealing with them and instead repressing the past. They all run away from their painful childhood memories. Bojack, when you get sad, you run straight ahead, and, and you keep running forward no matter what. In Game of Thrones, anti-heroine Cersei has a literal prophecy from her childhood that she's running from. And you will have three. That doesn't make sense. Gold will be their crowds. Gold. Their shrouds. Yet by trying to prevent it from coming true, she inadvertently helps its tragic events materialize. Often, the anti-hero's running forward takes the form of elaborate self-reinvention. I knew I needed to find some way to show the world that 
I cut ties with Mr. J for good. It was the closure I needed. A fresh start. A chance to be my own woman. On the extreme end of the spectrum, Dick Whitman runs away and joins the army, eventually creating a whole alternate identity, suave, masculine ideal Don Draper. In Breaking Bad, in the pilot of the show, we see Walter White working out while staring at a plaque for the research he did that won the Nobel Prize as part of gray matter technologies, and he's never been able to let go of his resentment and self-loathing over having missed out on the mega success his former business partners Gretchen and Elliot went on to achieve. I took a buyout. $5,000. Care to guess what that company is worth now? $2.16 billion as of last Friday. I look it up every week. It's this past eating away at him that's largely driving him to invent Heisenberg, his drug manufacturing alter ego who's evil and destructive but great and recognized by the world for his genius. Logan Roy is the ultimate self-made billionaire businessman. When he visits his hometown of Dundee, Scotland, he balks at each opportunity to engage with the past. I think maybe... A photo? No. Thank you. Let's go. Refusing to tell his family almost anything about his origins. Rosebud. It's a dollar bill. It's whatever it took to get me the f out of here. He goes so far as to say the past isn't real. The future is real, but past. All made up. As convoluted as it sounds, the future has always been realist to him because it's a blank slate that he feels he gets to shape, almost like a god. Tony Soprano's way of avoiding the truth, on the other hand, is to paint the past as better than it actually was. It takes Tony multiple seasons, the guidance of Dr. Melfi, and his mother's attempt on his life to finally accept that she was abusive, joyless, and probably not cut out to be a mother to anyone. You're supposed to take care of your mother. She's a little old lady. You accord this little old lady an almost mystical ability to wreak havoc. Later in the series, when Tony meets his father's mistress, Fran, and learns what a problematic figure she was for his father, he covers up the truth. And by the end of the episode, he mythologizes Fran to his cronies. This woman was like a, like a princess. Bojack Horseman engages in a similar revising. After Diane ghostwrites a warts-and-all biography of Bojack, he lashes out and attempts to rewrite his history instead of reflecting on her honest insights. My parents loved me so much it was crazy. Nice writing, Shakespeare. We see this self-serving, over-romanticizing in Game of Thrones as Daenerys Targaryen, too. She clings to the story of her family's ancient rule of the Iron Throne. My father sat there before he was murdered. While inventing herself as a supposed liberator and savior of peoples, somewhat glossing over the true implications of the fire and blood motto that's always defined the Targaryen rulers. And I will take what is mine. With fire and blood, I will take it. All these antiheroes are driven by a certain illusion or idea of who they want to be, which is strikingly far from the self that's so far materialized in the past. The present story we watch is about the antihero trying to catch up to that image, and often the pretty terrible things they have to do to get there. These antiheroes have a lot of secrets that they want to keep buried in the past. If you want to keep your information private, the best method is NordVPN. You need a VPN to keep your internet experience secure. And what makes NordVPN the best choice is it offers double protection. It changes your IP twice to cover your web traffic with an extra layer of security. Because NordVPN masks your IP, you can keep your browsing to yourself and make sure others can't track what you do online. 
I love that it even offers privacy on the go, so I can use it on my phone and protect my online life with one-click next-generation encryption. The latest feature from NordVPN is threat protection. Threat protection majorly steps up your cybersecurity. Once it's on, it protects from malicious sites, downloads, trackers, and intrusive ads. Threat protection is constantly on the lookout, even if you're not connected to a VPN. Right now, you can get a two-year plan at a huge discount, plus one additional month for free when you go to nordvpn.com slash the take. It's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The additional free month is available on YouTube only, so make sure to click the link in the description below or go to nordvpn.com slash the take. Given their childhood trauma, it's understandable why these characters developed this defense mechanism of looking only forward. Get out of here and move forward. Constant forward motion has allowed these anti-heroes to survive. However, they repeat the same mistakes over and over, sometimes impulsively act in horrible ways, and at times continue traumatizing future generations, all due to lack of reflection. You can put this behind you. It'll get easier as you move forward. Oh, Dick. I don't think you're right about that. Much of what we witness of these anti-heroes' lives is filled with repetitive, self-destructive behavior. Dawn womanizes, Bojack disappears into substance abuse, and they face negative consequences for these actions, but they still don't change anything. Walter White completely destroys his family and his legacy as a good man in order to prove his greatness by making drug money that won't really benefit his wife and children at all. Olivia Pope hasn't dealt with her issues with her parents, and that's reflected in her romantic choices. Are you finding that no matter how far you run, that all men, in fact, are just like your father. Don't talk about me like you know me. Jessica Jones hasn't dealt with the trauma she suffered thanks to Kilgrave, so when we meet her, she's using a very hard-drinking, messy lifestyle to cope. It's a joke in succession how closed off Logan is to therapy. He's incapable of reflecting on, much less analyzing his past, and how his childhood trauma continues to affect both him and those around him. You know, my guy says that if dad had had therapy, I wouldn't need so much. My guy's surprised I got through it at all. What's clear in all these stories is that the refusal to reflect is exactly what keeps anti-heroes burdened by the past and destined to pass on trauma to the future. In Ozark, Wendy and Marty Bird's kids eventually get wise to how often their parents keep promising that with the next play, their family will be out of their crime business. Six months, we could be completely off from under this. Even when people are whispering, you just hear the same things repeated over and over okay, and over. Okay, enough. But it often seems that Wendy can't really see that she's lying. She too is constantly moving forward to not think about all the risks she's taking for her family and the past death of her brother that she's responsible for. Your own fucking brother? Don't you look at me with that bloody on your face. I've spent my whole life protecting him! Tony, in order to avoid thinking about the terrible things he's already done, craves constant distraction. What happens? When these antisocial personalities aren't distracted from the horrible shit they do. They crash. And his inability to face issues gives him panic attacks, as if his body is literally shutting down because his mind can't process what he feels. These panic attacks are, in addition to being genetic, explicitly linked to his past. He's triggered by the smell of meat because his first panic attack involved his parents being sensual after his father brought home meat from the butcher whose finger Tony's dad cut off. Don's toxic relationship with women stems from his early sexual experiences, and because he's not properly processed that, he seems unconsciously 
driven to relive those experiences. And because Daenerys hasn't really dealt with her rage over what happened to her family, this suddenly comes out at the worst moment, resulting in her massacring King's Landing and becoming a tyrant instead of the beautiful liberator she set out to be. It's in that moment when she's looking at that symbol of everything that was taken from her when she makes the decision to to make this personal. Similarly, when Olivia Pope has PTSD after being kidnapped because she hasn't dealt with it. Wonder what I get now if I auction you again, put you Take back in the open market. She snaps and kills someone. William Faulkner wrote that the past is never dead, it's not even past, and we see how the actions and misdeeds of these characters aren't over and done with as they believe them to be. Throughout The Sopranos, we see the past rising up and demanding Tony's attention, like when he spots a former FBI informant by chance and decides to kill him on Meadow's college trip, or when a murder he committed decades ago forces him to go on the lam. This is what life is still like? At our age? We also see the past finally catch up to Bojack when his prior abuses against women, including his involvement with Sarah Lynn's death during a bender, come to light in an interview. I just keep thinking about those 17 minutes. You waiting in the parking lot after she died. At this point, Bojack has made significant strides to better and reform himself, like addressing his addiction issues, but the public reckoning sends him spiraling down yet another bender and backsliding, demonstrating just how easy it is to slip into old selves, even when we think we've moved on. Moreover, while he may feel he's over it all, the women he harmed are still shaped by that trauma, and that's why Bojack has to be confronted with the consequences of his actions. I keep hearing you say, I've changed. But how can we believe you've stopped this pattern of behavior if you won't acknowledge this pattern exists? I don't even know what pattern you're talking about. In succession, Logan tends to blame most of the problems that plague Waystar Royco on his children's ineptitude, but actually a lot of them are caused by his past choices. More personally responsible for the death of this planet than any other single human being. The giant loan he took out puts Kendall in an impossible situation when Logan falls ill and the stock price drops. And for years, Logan allowed and covered up the cruise ship scandal, which eventually comes out, requiring a big executive blood sacrifice. At that point, Logan tries to make his son the scapegoat, essentially trying to steal from the future. What could you possibly kill that you love so much it would make the sun rise again. Tony, likewise, may act like he's presiding over a kingdom he can bequeath to his descendants, but he destroys all the people who could actually represent that future. He eventually kills the nephew he was once grooming to be his number two, Christopher. While anti-heroes shy away from their own past, they embrace the future and romanticize it as a new beginning. Most anti-heroes believe that the future will provide them with a clean break and absolve them of who they actually are, instead of seeing themselves as they truly are and putting in the work to change. Because I wanted to be someone else, I wanted to live a different life. They simply project a fresh start with some future person, achievement, or place. I could do it right this time. I could start a whole new family. We see Don marry both Betty and Megan because they both see him not as he is, but as he wants to be seen. I just like the way she laughs. And the way she looks at me. I know that you have a good heart. I know that you're always trying to be better. Yet neither of these women can change how he still sees himself internally, so he's destined to backslide and both relationships are ultimately doomed. Although Empire-obsessed Logan also has multiple wives and adult children, in season three, we see him pinning his hopes for a better future on a new child. Are you trying to have a baby with my dad? Because that's an incredibly stupid idea. Hey, I'll be born old. 
attached to a walker. Most of the series involves him vetting one of his children, pitting them against the other potential heirs, and changing his mind on a dime as he finds each of his children defective for one reason or another. The truth is, no child will ever live up to Logan's standards. He's a supreme narcissist who judges his children as reflections of him and cannot stand if they ever mirror back to him anything that's less than great. Bojack, having internalized Secretariat's advice to keep moving forward no matter what, don't you stop running and don't you ever look behind you, fetishizes the future by believing that his next achievement will somehow be different from his last. But when he finally believes that he's gotten nominated for the Oscar he always wanted, he finds that it doesn't really change anything. You're an Oscar nominee. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel... I, I, I feel the same. Throughout the series, we also see Bojack repeatedly leave Hollywood, thinking that he'll magically be a different horse somewhere else, but he's the same no matter where he is. It doesn't matter where you are, it's who you are. And that's not going to change whether you're in California or Maine or New Mexico. So what each of these antiheroes faces is that the beautiful future they so romanticized never actually materializes, and they're stuck with a choice. They can admit that it's never going to happen in that form, or they can continue to rush forward, ignoring the fact that they're actually going in circles. If we look back at classic film antiheroes, we can see this theme clearly in their stories, too. Gone with the Wind's Scarlett O'Hara is a survivor, hell-bent on moving forward from the Civil War, no matter what. After all, but her lack of reflection ultimately causes her to lose the man she loves as she chases after the idea of another man who isn't really right for her. I love something that doesn't really exist. In Citizen Kane, all of Charles Foster Kane's misery stems from his childhood being suddenly upended when he was taken away from his family to have the opportunity for riches. For all his wealth and power, Kane becomes an isolated and unhappy man because he never got over that loss in his past, as embodied in the iconic Rosebud, which turns out to be the sled he was playing with that day. And in Casablanca, Rick Blaine is a bitter and cynical bar owner when we meet him because he's refusing to engage with his pain over being jilted in the past by Ilsa. It's only after he reconciles with the past and Ilsa that he's able to move forward and redeem himself. We'll always have Paris. We didn't have, we, we lost it until you came to Casablanca. So, given how much the past continues to affect these antiheroes despite their best efforts to escape it, how can we move on from a painful past in a healthy way? First, we have to address and process our true emotions surrounding the past. When antiheroes don't face their baggage, they are frequently controlled by their emotions, sometimes in ways they aren't conscious of or don't completely understand. We spent hours getting to the realization that your feelings for your cousin stem from guilt and shame. Yeah, it, it's just that it doesn't it's matter now. It's just that here we are, as always, back at square one, with you going into high sentimentality mode. Don, Bojack, Olivia, Danny, Cersei, Tony, and Walt resist processing what they feel about what happened to them, so they cling to their misery, repeat toxic cycles, hurt their loved ones, and make irrational, impulsive, sometimes catastrophic decisions. But if we process our emotions, this is how we actually stop being controlled by them. It's what we start to see Don doing near the end of Mad Men, as he at last makes some progress towards self-acceptance. broke all my vows. Scandalized my child. The whole premise of The Sopranos, a mobster going to therapy, is interested in whether a guy like Tony can do this, self-reflect, and gain the perspective to break out of the habitual patterns he's stuck in. Still, in his case, it's a false promise. That talk therapy, while not only being useless, with sociopaths 
actually serves to validate them. This is in part because Tony's not doing a second thing we must do, take responsibility for our actions and not blame others. In an interview with Fresh Air, The Sopranos creator David Chase said, You can no longer blame your parents, your mother. You cannot go through your life or go through therapy um, just leaning on that crutch all the time. That after a while, it's you. The problem is you. Todd in BoJack Horseman says the same thing to BoJack. It's not the alcohol or the drugs or any of the shitty things that happened to you in your career or when you were a kid. It's you. Danny in Game of Thrones takes such a bad turn in the end because she neglects to exercise this self-responsibility. She clings to how her family was wronged in her eyes, yet seems to believe that wrong excuses any amount of senseless violence she inflicts. This ends up making her delusional, spouting rhetoric about the beautiful new world she'll build for people. Build the new world. While in practice, she's just killing them. In the final episode of Breaking Bad, Walt finally accepts this responsibility after evading it for seasons. You need to understand. I have to hear one more time that you did this for the family. You did it for me. And it's this brief glimmer of honest reflection that enables him to have whatever moderate redemption he experiences in the end when he saves Jesse before dying. Part of taking responsibility means forgiving those who caused our pain and moving on. You need to forgive her and move on. Throughout his life, Bojack holds on to anger toward his mother and remains willfully ignorant about her own painful childhood. Had he been open to learning about the past which formed her, he would have seen that he did nothing to deserve her abuse, but that she was also a human who was suffering in damaged by the traumas she failed to address. What must your mother think of you? Oh, she doesn't think much about anything anymore. And he may have been able to forgive her, learn from history. Despite antiheroes' reluctance to look back on their own personal past as it may be too painful for them, many share an affinity for history and do learn from it in a way that benefits their strategic moves at work. Tony Soprano liked history in college. Napoleon, the Roman Empire. Potsdam Conference, that kind of thing. And he watches multiple World War II documentaries in the background of several episodes. To a man like Tony, who doesn't like ambiguity, tends to aggrandize being a soldier, and sees the past nostalgically, it's easy to see why World War II would be the area of history he keeps going back to. Logan Roy shares this fondness for history. He collects war medals and tells his son that he enjoys reading historians Oswald Spengler and Edward Gibbon. I read a history. Spangler Gibbon, the big boys. Gibbon wrote The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, while Spangler is also best known for his two-volume work, The Decline of the West. So both were concerned with the fall of cultures and empires, just as Logan is facing the decline of his own media empire. These antiheroes can and do learn certain tactical lessons from history, but many times don't study their own pasts with anything like the same clear-eyed detachment. And often, these characters bring up historical comparisons in a self-serving way to self aggrandize the Romans, where were they now? You're looking at him, asshole. They see what they want to see in the history. Linking themselves to historical generals and empires that are still remembered makes them feel their achievements and choices have significance that will last into future generations. But they make us see how we shouldn't romanticize the past. Tony excessively idealizes the past and glosses over whatever hardships were there. But lately I'm getting the feeling that I came in at the end. The best is over. But the actual flashbacks we see reveal that Tony's parents' lives with the Mafia was full of just as much stress and ugliness, and The Sopranos prequel, Many Saints of Newark, reveals that Dickie Moltisanti, Christopher's dad, whom Tony worshipped, was a darkly impulsive man who murdered his own father and his lover. So Tony grieves a past that was never really there. I think about my father. 
he never reached the heights like me. But in a lot of ways, he had it better. He had his people. They had their standards. They had pride. The same is true with Walt's obsession over what could have been for him as a scientist or Danny's romanticization of the lost Targaryen Empire. As these anti-heroes show, we must learn from the past as it really was, not as we'd like it to be. Like many of these anti-heroes, we as a society, too, often shy away from looking at our painful collective history, romanticize the past, and have seen history repeat itself as a result. Although it may seem easier to avoid dealing with the more painful and messy parts of our past and simply keep moving forward, it doesn't work to paint the past as we'd like it to be or idealize a fresh start in the future. It's not easy to see something that's never been before. I know what is good. Instead, we must be honest about the past and accept ourselves as we truly are. We must reflect on and learn from history in order to avoid mindlessly repeating it. We have to forgive, and despite whatever happened to us, we must take responsibility for our own actions. None of this is easy, but it's the only way out of anti-hero hell. I keep going to a lot of places and uh, ending up somewhere I've already been. This is The Take on your favorite movie shows and pop culture. Thanks for watching and don't forget to subscribe.